This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What's good, Wild Black family? You know, we love bringing you information that you need. And today I want to talk to you about a new podcast. It's called Seizing Freedom, and it illuminates the untold stories of African-Americans securing their own liberation at the end of the Civil War and how they made that freedom real by organizing for equality during Reconstruction, despite every attempt at violent suppression. First-hand accounts are given new life through powerful voice acting, and interviews with historians draw parallels to social and political movements taking place today. It's something you really need to take a moment and check out. Believe me, it's something I'm listening to. Do yourself a favor and listen now at SeizingFreedom.com or in your favorite podcast app. Peace. What's good, Wild Black family? I want to tell you about a new podcast from Slate. It's called A Word with Jason Johnson. This show shines a light on the facts, the history, and the reality of how race plays out in our politics and society. Every Friday, veteran political commentator Jason Johnson brings his sharp analysis to discussions with policymakers, journalists, entertainers, and other experts about America's challenges around race and ideas on the way forward. Make sure you subscribe to A Word with Jason Johnson from Slate wherever you listen to your podcast. Ask yourself, challenge yourself one day, look in the mirror and say out loud, what do I need in each of these categories of care? There's a reason why it's hard to dig up that answer. If you are truly living free, and I'm speaking in terms of how you interact with yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're truly living free, then there should not be much resistance with answering that question. But what would happen if all Black folks woke up and every single day were clear and acknowledged what they critically needed and had a strategic plan mm. towards addressing that need on a regular basis, mm. the shame would reduce because we all, you know, are moving forward. It's humbling as hell. That's how I can walk around like, hey, this is what this is what you got because I'm humbling myself every single day that I ask myself that question, that question, that question, that question, that question, that question. Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, we are here. And I'll start this episode with with a little blurb, right? I am truly excited to talk about what we're talking about today because I think this is something that our community talks about all the time. I think we get it right half the time. I think we get it (laughs) wrong half the time. But I do recognize how overly important self-care, taking care of yourself is, right? Like, what does that mean? That's that's one of the first questions. Like, what yeah. does that really mean, right? How do I can, do that? Can you do it your way and, and do it effectively, right? So <laughs> we've got an amazing guest with us today. Her name is Anana Harris-Paris. 
And I am going to give you a very short piece of her information and bio because this sister, when I saw her resume, it's literally seven pages long, right? She has done so much. She's the founder and the CEO of the self-care agency where she operates as the lead strategic business and self-care consultant. And I can't front. As I looked through her, her background, I saw founder of this, founder of that. I saw words that I really can't pronounce and I'm educated. I saw chief <laughs> operating officer. I saw director. Literally so, so much. So I'm going to ask Miss Anana to tell us a little bit more about herself because I don't oh. want to embarrass myself. You're going to let her flex. Absolutely. Let and, her, and bro, we it's, like it's that. flex worthy. Yes. It's flex worthy. We like Anana, that. Anana, welcome to Wild Black. Thank you. <laughs> please. Please. I mean, I saw... Was it Afrolisa? Am I saying that? Afri Salsa. That's what I said. Cultural organization. That's what I said. That's exactly what I said. (laughs) Right? I saw that. I saw Sister Care Alliance. Yes. I saw law firms. I I saw so much civic engagement. It is literally crazy how much she's done and how how much it makes me realize I still have to do. But I'm going to be quiet. Please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Aww. And don't be modest. <laughs> well, I'm going to... Flex is necessary. <laughs> yes, yes. We love it. Uh, well, I'll start with, I'm just the daughter of um, Herjit Sababu Harris and Kathleen mm-hmm. Asada. Alvarez. And she's a singer. I am so not a singer. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what the mama said. Um, <laughs> I am a representation of, you know, a lineage of some really strong Black people. Right. Um, who didn't always get the recognition for how they had to buckle down. Mm. Um, and so my prayer is always that I can walk in celebration of what they had to sacrifice and then take it a step further. So that's first who I am. I don't right. get it right all the time. You know, I have a lot of people that are supportive of me that listen to me and they say, OK, let, come on over here. Let's talk about that. So I kind of am sitting here with a lot of people right. all together. I love how um, you yeah, it's the truth, yeah. you know. Um, and so what I've been able to do. Uh, because my father primarily raised me and he always wanted me to just, you know, go after what I believed in. He didn't strong arm too much, but he and my mother were activists in in college. And so we had a very vocal household. Southern University, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) You know she's amazing now, right? (laughs) So yeah, they met on Southern's campus actually, and we're both activists, but um, as a result of that type of nurturing, I definitely have always been vocal myself when I saw things not be right. So it's right. materialized into a lot of community work. Um, I definitely did a lot when I was in D.C. at Howard University. Shout out to the Bison. Right, right. Um, and <laughs> did a lot Howard. of community HBCU organizing there. <laughs> right. Uh, but I also, uh, when moving to Atlanta, realized that I wanted to stay plugged in as much as possible. Um, And I ended up uh, running a civil rights and personal injury law firm for about seven years as their head of business operations and community affairs. Um, I did a lot continuously to work with Black women in particular, um, help them be more strategic about their self-care and then see that as a form of social justice. So I created the Sister Care Alliance. And that is... I just love the name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we already align, right? Right. So Sister Care Alliance is just a souped up version of what we already do as Black women. Um, But we have underground and above ground activities. So our underground activity helps all of us stay safe. It's not as safe to be organized. And so there are a lot of Black women that support what we do, but we don't 
um, advertise who is connected. And then the above groundwork we do is around promoting self-care as a form of social justice. So we've established several official self-care days, starting with the city of Atlanta, 2011. Right. Um, and we moved on to Charlotte, um, Lithonia, uh, Georgia, mm-hmm. Savannah. I could go on. Charleston, South Carolina. So it's a movement that allows many of us to not just die in the movement trying to make sure the movement continues, Right. right. Like, we don't have to decimate ourselves just to show that we care about Black people moving forward. We can be strategic about taking care of ourselves and integrate caring for the community and caring for ourselves. We just yeah. had to get a good way to do that. And so we've worked with uh, human trafficking survivors. We've worked with survivors of domestic violence. Um, in 2016, I published my book, uh, Self-Care Matters, A Revolutionary's Approach, which really pragmatically locks down what it means to have a self-care plan, why it's revolutionary for us, and why self-care as a term is not something you should run from. I love it. I love it. That is amazing. So what we're going to do is move into our wild black shit. And before we get into our wild black shit, allow me to bring you a word from our sponsor, Surfshark. Let's talk about internet security. When you're online, you want to be as safe as possible viewing social media, watching movies, playing games, paying bills, etc. But did you know a lot of the web traffic and your physical locations are being tracked and logged as you use your laptop and your cell phones? Yep, everywhere you go and everything you do. So we want to help you better protect yourself. So we've partnered with Surfshark, a highly secure virtual private network that protects your identity, location, and online data. It can be used on almost every device you connect to the internet. And since we love you all so much, you get an 83% discount plus three extra months all for free. Visit the link surfshark.deals slash wildblack. Again, that's surfshark.deals slash wildblack. Now back to our wild black shit. So our wild black shit is basically when a the best sections of, uh, one of our favorite sections of the episode. Okay. And it's designed to get you warmed up. You are already warmed up, so this is going to be even more fun. Okay. We start out with three questions. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Questions? Okay. Two questions, which is fun questions, kind of see where you at. And the third (laughs) question is our signature question that we ask every single guest. Okay, I'm ready. You ready? You ready to go? Mm -hmm. While making macaroni and cheese, you know, that's a black, Family rite of passage, right? Like if you you got to get that right in most okay. instances. Gotcha. It's pretty obvious that everybody ain't been victorious on this journey of, of mac and cheese. Hey, Keisha Lance Bottoms. She did post that. She did. She did. She did. She owned it. She should have knew she should deposit that. She owned it. But check it out. So, how do you make your mac and cheese? Well, I am 
not uh, able to eat cheese. Uh, that so, is not an excuse. Uh, Look, did you, did no you, man. You see, you see that? No wow. man. But I think the I'm most, intolerant the, most as important, the most important thing is the layering. And I like to use more than one type of cheese. What type so of cheese you got in there? I like some good old fashioned, the cheddar and the mozzarella. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You mix that together. And then unfortunately, you do need some milk up in there so that it's nice and creamy. Mm-hmm. And then some good old fashioned, fashioned artery clogging butter mm-hmm. is required. Mm-hmm. You know? All of the good, I mean, it's just what makes it good. Mm-hmm. And yep. then it has to be baked. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Now, Requirement. You do, you, do you do breadcrumbs? Eh, not really. Thank you. No, I understand I'm the not whole a No, I mean, I'm not going to turn it down. If I've decided to take an L with my sinuses, then, you know, I'm going to eat it with or without the breadcrumbs. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I can go without it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And do you put, do you put it on, on yours? Breadcrumbs? Yeah. Hell no. I would say, who does that? <laughs> I would, I would question like the the authenticity of the card, Mm-mm. the black card that is. Ain't with oh, the yeah. bread There's crumbs. no card if you got bread. Yeah, because that's no like, card. why would you look? Why would you do that? Like, why would you put breadcrumbs on it? Like, I don't, the the cheese so, on the top when you bake it is all the is enough. enough. It's yeah. enough. It's yes, enough. if you bake it properly, right? The breadcrumbs ain't doing nothing but drying it out. See, and you're trying okay. to cheat the system, <laughs> right? Okay. All right, you good. I like so that. So good. I'm yeah. black. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Self-care. Yes. It's a superpower. It is. And black Glad people are superheroes. hmm So with that, can you name for us three black superheroes? Black Panther is a superhero. Should have said no Black Panther. That's everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's the... mm -hmm. And my son, my son is like probably going to cheer me on. All right. Um, Anything for the kids. We love the kids. Yeah. Falcon. Okay. 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 He's very black. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's crazy how they played him on the show and he's broke. (laughs) I I can't talk about it. I was so right. I was was like, how how he trying to get bank loans and can't get him? He has saved the damn world. Let me be quiet. Sorry. He can't get a bank loan. Right. You got him. He's black. That's a black superhero in America's view. Yeah. I can't handle it. Um, A third black superhero is my dad. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's what's up. I love Mm -hmm. that. That's so. what's up. Y'all played Meteor Man, though. Y'all just that's you. That's you. <laughs> Y'all just left him out of the cold. You, you just, <laughs> Little Robert Townsend. Right, there. right. Mm-hmm. Mine is Django. He oh. my one hundred. Okay. I, I, I love Django. Okay. Django's amazing. One hundred. <laughs> All right. Third question and signature question: What do you love most about life while black? I love that I can walk in a room with black folks mm-hmm. and feel safe. I love that I can walk into a room of elder Black women and feel protected. Mm. Feel like I can fall into whoever and whatever I'm feeling like that day and I will walk out a better woman. Like, it's Mm. a guarantee. I feel like you could set up a house with all elder Black women and all kinds of nurturing, loving wisdom and you know, a, a calm bed to take a nap in, someone to just play in your hair and talk to you and ask you about your day. And you'd, be, you'd have a multi-million dollar business because of how badly a lot of Black women in particular 
would gravitate to just laying their head on an elder sister's lap. So I just want to come over. And wow. I want to come cut the grass. Wow. Yeah, that energy sounds amazing right now. The house yeah. they love built. Yeah. yeah. And that's a mm. business model? That would be... Exactly. That would mm. blow up. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's just, it's not there and it's a gaping need. Like our spirits are always looking for that safe elder black woman that's not judging, that's like, keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah, you walk out of those spaces. That's what I love about being black. Can't get that anywhere else. I love that. Love that. That's so true, too. I mean, I was imagining what you, like the picture you were painting just then, like, oh, man. I, it feels good, hell, right? I would, I would like that. Like, yeah. that's just, a, you know, the energy, that's that, the love that's around in the environment. Yeah, that's, that's a different kind nice. of organizing. I think that's the second side of being a really effective organizer in the community right. is you have to pay attention to how piercingly impactful it is for us to gather in a way that is cross-generational and nurturing. It's just right. so potent. You know, so mm-hmm. I love, love the it. calmness in your voice. Well, you know, it's a strategy so that I can accept whatever question comes this <laughs> way. <laughs> I'm at peace. But we we are not a platform with, with trickery. Like no, no, I got literally it. Literally, no everything no here problem. is about enrichment, and you're gonna fit right in. It, it's gonna work perfectly. Okay. So the next section that we go into is called our dope quote. Okay. And it is tied to the thematic that we discussed. It's mm-hmm. from someone black. 95% of the time, religion, culture, um, inspiration, yeah. music, arts, just from us, yeah. from us and for us. And, and today's quote came from Nina Simone. So oh, I'll read my it. favorite. And then I want to get your perspective on it. Okay. okay. So it says, you've got to learn to leave the table mm. when love's no longer being served. Yeah. So when you hear that quote, what does it make you think of? It makes me think about how many of us don't know what love feels like. Mm. So mm. it's hard to detect when you should leave a table when your understanding of what real mm. just drenching love feels like. You know, if you don't know the full scape of it, then you have no metric to make a decision by. And so it, I don't want to say it makes me sad, but it, um, it's almost like standardized testing. Yeah. You know, I'm going to test you on things that you are not as familiar with. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell you that that's how I'm going to judge whether or not you are intelligent yeah. or observant yeah. or aware or in tune. And that's one thing that aggravates me uh, when people are constantly putting down Black people as a whole is that we just consciously skip over the fact that we are emotionally bruised. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... So if you can't recognize what love is supposed to feel like or it's been rationed out to you, you know, then why would you leave a table when you're getting 10% and you're used to getting five? Mm. Right? Yeah. So when mm. you don't even know what 100 feels like, you don't even know. And in neither case that 100 exists. Old. Exactly. Right. So it's, it's, I think it's beautiful. And I, Nina Simone is literally on my wall. Like I have yeah. paintings of her in my house. Um, and in that, idea of leaving the table when love is not being served, I just pray that we have the ability to begin to crave love more because we're probably not at the table for love. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're at the table for other things, you know, security, um, to be affirmed. We don't really expect love at most tables. I know people don't go to their nine to five looking for love. Right, right, right. <laughs> and unfortunately, right. some people don't have relationships for love. They have it for security, for safety, or this is better than the way I grew up, or 
You know, love is just not always a safe priority for some to search for. Yeah. Uh, That's amazing. So for me, and and this wasn't an initial question that I had planned, but when you talk about not recognizing what love is, not knowing what it should feel like, and if you don't know what it what it is, then you definitely can't practice self-love, right? Mm-hmm. So what is love and how do you become acquainted with it if you haven't been exposed to it? Well, the first part of your question, I think, is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I can answer for myself when I think about being loved and the different types of love, like the love I have for my son. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody puts their hands on him, that love turns into I just might like mm-hmm. cave your chest in or like harm you. That look, is a protective that's type so of love. That's so nice. And like mm-hmm. for a moment, yeah. I was like, I want my chest cave in. <laughs> right. Like, and I realized <laughs> what she like was a, saying. Yeah. Like a slow right. Yeah. It it's, felt like an embrace. I'm right. like, yeah. Almost like a nice thing. Like a hard <laughs> massage, but I don't, I don't think I want it. <laughs> a hard <Right>. massage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, there's different kinds of love. But like when I start with the love that I have for my son, it is all encompassing. It is happily to my sacrifice if it was necessary. It's just literally this kind of blinding white, um, greater than me. Yeah. You know, what... At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You're not just my future. You're like my past and our future and the prayer. Like you're everything all in one. So that mother-son love is, that's what that's like for me. If it's romantic love, then that means that I feel safe. I feel like anything I want to explore or express, you will support and nurture and and that you will um, see every aspect of who I am and just place your hands all over all of it and lift me up all at the mm-hmm. same time. You know, um, if I think about the love of my people, I think about this unspoken song that we all hum in the middle of the night, even though we're all in like different places and just the love that comforts us that we know each other, we understand each other. If we have different dialects, if we have different expressions, different clothes, we're on different continents, that type of love is one that I feel like replenishes like your purpose a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think mushing all of that together is beautiful. Um, That's what love feels like for me. You came ready today, didn't you? Oh. (laughs) Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. I loved that answer. Yeah, it was the second part to your question, though. Absolutely. I forgot the second part. No, you're all good. If, if, you, if you've not been exposed to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think your body never lies. Mm-hmm. And even if you can't name it, even if you can't fashion it in your mind, your body tells you certain things. You'll tense up, you know. You will relax. And so I do think that there are signals that we receive when things happen and we know that it feels good, we may not title it love, but we recognize it, you know. You know, there's some babies that won't go to certain people. 
yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You know? Immediately start crying. So I yeah. think those who may not know, quote-unquote, love, however, you know, we're labeling it, mm-hmm. I think their bodies and their spirits do respond to it when it when it recognizes it. But if you've right. been drenched in trauma, if you have been in kind of, you know, they're like food deserts. If your yeah. environment is a love desert, yeah. then if you don't have it a lot, the downside is you you begin to kind of starve for it. You yeah. know, you're so dehydrated that whatever little bit you get, yeah. you think is the full capacity, kind of like yeah. my earlier comment. So the way that I think people who are starved of it or it's, they're not as familiar with it, I think they just listen to their bodies more. I think they listen to their own natural responses mm-hmm. and they just don't try to label everything. Yeah. You know, I can't stand terminology wars. They get on my nerves. It's like, not everybody's going to understand what that means or they're not going to title it the same way, but they will move. Right. One of the things that you said mm. was how it's unique to the person, right? Yeah. And even in your example, it, it made me think of the way I've always determined it is it's not there when the music doesn't feel right. right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and exactly. for me, right, music is a unique thing. The beat that you vibe to, mm-hmm. the beat that art vibes to might be different from mine. And when the music doesn't feel right for me, that's when you're in the wrong place. Yeah. And I think your example kind of really drove that home with dance and with music in itself. Um, but I, I want to take a step a little more deep into it, right? So mm-hmm. as opposed to what love is, let's talk about what love isn't, right? Yeah. So there are tons of people out there who have a false sense of what love is. Mm. And so a very specific question, right? Does love and can love hurt? I don't think love can hurt. I think pain, fear, mm-hmm. um, the representation of, you know, someone else's pain and fear. Mm-hmm. I think that hurts. Yeah. I think if you lost your mind and you put your hand on me, right. then not only will I feel that hurt, but you're going to feel hurt in return. Right. And that's not love. That's, you know... <laughs> Cause and effect and pain and hurt you, right. But because if I'm in that scenario, if I have a thirst for love, right, which is totally different than love, right? But the thirst for love is I may fixate on someone and say, I'm going to survive this moment with you because I feel this thirst to still have a loving experience with you. And so sometimes our brains, our brain mushes things together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm mushing together the desire to love you, the desire to to feel that again. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just compartmentalize myself until this painful, hurtful, fearful experience is over. Right. So I, I don't think that it's, I don't think love hurts. Right. I think there's love and then there's hurtful experiences, but because we are one, right. one being, right? Right. We experience it all at the same time, unfortunately. You know, my my son is, he's turning 11 soon. I love him, right? I love, I mean, love him like regular old black mama. Your smile when you said right. your son shows the same. And so, but if that little boy acts disrespectful, yeah. it does not change my love for him. But he's going to learn a lesson that mm-hmm. that's unacceptable, right? And so it's possible for all of that to exist in the same body, in the same spirit, in the it same heart. It may not change the love, but exactly. it's sure going to change the expression. It's going to change, exactly. 
<laughs> so um, I think what happens is we're such a dynamic people. Like our right. ability to be so many things all at once, yeah. it gets fragmented in this kind of, and I don't, I'm not, you know, poo-pooing on capitalism, but what that does is it it turns everything into a product, right? Right. So you either are this or that. You think this way or you think that way. It's not even just binary. It's just very right. segmented. Right, right. So then we think that you're either this or that. Love hurts or it doesn't. I mean, it's not. It's all of it. Right. And it's all of it together. The complexity. Yeah. Right. Of of being able to to have multiple experiences and understand what they are. Yeah. Versus, it, you know, someone simplif- oversimplifying it as oh, this is what it should feel like. No, this is just aspects of of life while you while you go through it. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. It really does. Yeah, I mean, once you once you let go of the need to convince people that they are whole beings, just like you are, and that we're not segmented. Right. Once you let go of trying to convince them that if they want to live in that world, then that's okay. But <laughs> you know, I'm all of these things. You know, I right. like to dance. I like, you know, to develop businesses. I like to talk about the liberation of Black people. I like to you know, watch NBA highlights on YouTube. I like to, you know, there's all kinds of different things and they all exist in who I am. So you're not going to cherry pick one for the other. Right. Makes so. sense. I want to jump to the to the other side yeah. of, of that combination of words. I want to talk about self for a moment. Sure. So <laughs> once you, you understand what love is for yourself, your unique perspective on what love is, mm-hmm. And recognizing that so many people want to be loved yeah. and want to love someone. Yeah. Why is the self aspect so difficult for so many people? Well, because I think one thing that's missing from that formula that you mentioned is mm-hmm. safety. You know, mm-hmm. people want to feel safe. Right. It doesn't always feel safe to be honest about yourself. Yeah. Right. It's yeah, like, yeah. Mm, if I really open. tell you. <laughs> right. You may think something's wrong exactly. with you. Exactly. And so... When you deal with the word or the term self, you also are dealing with a different type of intimacy, mm-hmm. right? And that's why kind of the work that we do in terms of self-care, the root of that definition is addressing a critical or normal need, right? So to look at yourself and say, man, what do I need spiritually, emotionally, economically, in terms of my time, money, and energy, artistically, physically, educationally, and socially, right? That's a high degree of intimacy, right? Like, who answers that question for all of those categories of care on a daily basis? It's very, very revolutionary, but it's very intimate. So you have to feel safe enough, Mm -hmm. even with yourself, to be honest sometimes and say, I don't know what I need. Like, I haven't thought about it. I don't know why I can't answer that question. So to deal with yourself is forced intimacy. Mm. And Mm. so if you're not feeling like, (laughs) <laughs> be honest, you're not feeling like waking up in the morning and really digging out, you know, what the truth of what's mm-hmm. happening. If you're not feeling safe enough to figure out what you need in all those categories of care and then and then take some steps towards addressing it, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 a lot. It feels more comfortable to not do that. Yeah. So dealing with yourself yeah. is a whole other um form of aggressive intimacy that that aggressive intimacy yeah it takes courage yeah it's almost like you gotta force yourself to do that you do because you've been um used the right word i had some other ones it's okay if you use the wrong one you've been um 
conditioned, I'll say, mm-hmm. to detach yourself from what you critically need, especially our people, right? Because if we have a lineage of, of fear and a lack of safety, then your priority is that. Absolutely. Your priority. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's not what you need. Do you understand? Yeah. So the number one goal is I have to feel safe. I, I have to feel safe. My children have to be safe. What I critically need has nothing to do with Anything. And so if you pass that down generation to generation, what will keep you safe? Don't spend any time acknowledging what you need. Um, Then that's where we are now. So now it almost seems foreign. Like, why would I wake up in the morning and say, what do I need in all these categories? What am I going to do with that? But I tell you, that is some of the most uh, revolutionary work you can do with yourself. Just to circle back to the term. Yeah. So that is why you call it revolutionary work is because it It is. Yeah. That's profound. But if you think about it, I mean, ask yourself, challenge yourself one day, look in the mirror and say out loud, what do I need in each of these categories of care? There's a reason why it's hard to dig up that answer. If you are truly living free, and I'm Mm -hmm. speaking in terms of how you interact with yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're truly living free, then there should not be much resistance with answering that question, even if the need is, um, I just need to be around someone or I just need maybe some guidance in this area. Mm-hmm. But to feel anxiety, embarrassment, shame, to to um, exercise that PhD in suppression that a mm-hmm. lot of us have on a regular basis, it means that you have to dig through a whole lot of layers of emotional crap just to get to the answer, mm-hmm. just to begin to start dealing with it. But what would happen if all Black folks woke up and every single day were clear and acknowledged what they critically needed and had a strategic plan mm. towards addressing that need on a regular basis, mm. the shame would reduce because we all, you know, are moving forward. It's humbling as hell. That's how I can walk around like, hey, this is what, this is what you got because I'm humbling myself every single day that I ask myself that question. Mm-hmm. I got so many, so many questions <laughs> floating around in my head. Um, <laughs> I want to ask a question of help, right? So we as people, as black folks specifically, have so many demands on us every day. Right? Yeah. What does my wife need? Yeah. Want? What does my husband need? Want? Yeah. What does my boss need? Uh-huh. Right? What are my children? Kids. My friends? Yeah. What, what do I need to do for my car so that I can get to my job, right? Mm-hmm. What, what, what do I need to do for my parents today? Because they're getting older. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned the the way we have been really trained. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So how do you break that mold or that model? And how do you really focus on what it is that you need? How do you even identify it, right? Because I'm thinking about, I think we're all practicing at, at, at how we take care of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And as you were talking about it, I was in this mental mirror and I was yeah. looking at myself and I was asking me what I needed. Couldn't come up with an answer. Right. Yeah. Right? 
it's 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 mm-hmm. way more difficult because yep. I immediately fell into the role of a father, a provider, a man, and I started thinking about my needs in terms of all the things around me. Mm-hmm. How do you break through that and really identify what you as an individual and as a person and as a priority need? How do you get to that answer? So glad you asked me that question. <laughs> and I, you know, I, it's fun. that's a that's a damn good question. Mm-hmm. I think women struggle with that a hell of a lot more than men do, actually. Well, I'll tell you, to start with self, it is um, an amazing act of leadership right. to do that. Amazing, one. Two, when you're in relationship with anybody and you're able to say, what do you need? And look them in the eyes. That level of intimacy is phenomenal. Um, To be able to repeat it over and over again to someone, if their first answer is one of fear or protection Mm -hmm. or embarrassment, and you keep reaffirming by saying, what do you need? What do you need? It is powerful. So I want to offer that to you, brothers, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to try that. But I also think that um, to understand and to really break a cycle of not knowing what to do first or what needs are a priority for you, you have to first decide, do I want to be random about my self-care or do I want to be strategic? Period. Mm -hmm. You have to start there, right? Because random self-care, and again, self-care is the act of addressing your need, right? right? Whether it's normal or critical. Random self-care looks like what most of us are doing. I mean, we do have kind of a a system, right? Like, I know if I don't do this, if I don't do that, it's not going to work out. And then there are aspects of needs that we address that we have no choice. My bladder's full. Okay. (laughs) I need to empty the bladder, right? But when you decide to become strategic because you have certain goals or you have a purpose or you want to exemplify another level that is almost a thank you to the people that came before you who didn't have the luxury of being strategic, you understand, about their self-care. When you decide to go there, then that random self-care is not, it's not as useful anymore. You get tired of it, right? So strategic self-care means that instead of life governing when you address your need, you structure the times, whether it's once a week, once a day, once a month, where you actually sit down with yourself and maybe someone else and you ask your question, what do I need in these different categories of care? You start there. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen is you'll realize that there's certain categories of care, typically spiritual and emotional is just a foundation, right? If that need continues to go unaddressed on a regular basis Mm -hmm. in a particular category for you, you learn it by asking the question. That's what happens. It ends up as a neglected need, contaminating every other category. Mm. I mean, just contaminating it. And it ends up breaking down everything else. But the trick is you have to decide, am I going to ask myself this question enough to let what should bubble to the surface be the most impactful thing for me, the most impactful need that will help me open up more as a father, open up more as a mother, open up more in these other areas that it'll become a lot easier to address those needs. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm going to give you another another analogy to that question. So often when I speak, I may make reference to not just my son, but these moments where I'm learning. Mm -hmm. So he was about six or seven. And, you know, I developed this program literally as a result of giving birth to him, right? 
And when he hit about six or seven, I had been working this program. It's the strategic self-care program that I designed. And I thought to myself, I don't know what my son needs. I've never asked him, what do you need? And so I decided I was going to muster up the courage to ask him, you know, what do you need spiritually and emotionally? Now he's six. And so as a parent, you're thinking to yourself, who knows what he's going to say? But as a person who was primarily raised by her father, I was really nervous and I unearthed this fear that he was going to say, well, I need you to be a better mother. (laughs) Mm. You know, I don't think you're a good mother. You know, this was in my head. These were my fears, right? This is the humbling part of investigating what's really underneath. So I was really terrified. Um, So I, I went to him and I said, Zaire, I said, mama wants to ask you a question. He was like, yes. It was a morning time. And I'm, you know, as a parent, you're racking your brain. Am I doing enough? Am yeah. I, you know? <laughs> so I said, Zaire, you know, I want to ask you a question. He said, yes. I said, uh, what do you need spiritually and emotionally? And then I shut up. I didn't over-explain. I didn't do I let him marinate with it. And he sat there for a second and my heart was pounding. Like, I re- all my fears that have nothing to do with him. Right. Mm -hmm. But all of my fears were like, what's he going to say? What am I not doing? And so he looked at me and he said, hmm, he said, I need more hugs. Mm. So, of course, I'm like, "Ah." (laughs) right. I'm like, but I stayed quiet. Right. I I didn't make it about me. I made it about him. And then he said, and I'd like to drink tea with you in the morning. Wow. Had I not asked him that. I would have never known. So now when I hug him and when I make him tea and we drink tea in the morning, I feel like I'm really meeting his needs. Mm. Like I feel differently about how I'm mother. I feel differently about um, just communicating with him. And I also offered him a tool Mm. of sitting for a moment and doing what we're doing here, which is, hmm, what do I need? And so he now can practice that so he can stay more in touch with who he is. What's good, y'all? It's Aaliyah from The Young and Dumb Show. I have something for you. If you're young and interested in learning more about different careers, becoming an entrepreneur, and really get into the bag, then be sure to check out and subscribe to The Young and Dumb Show. On this show, we sit down with the biggest, and I'm talking the biggest, career professionals, entrepreneurs, influencers, and entertainers to break down how to be successful in different industries. It's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. Let's get it, y'all. I got so many questions, still. I'm going to... <laughs> I do, and I'm really... Like, I'm starting to feel wow. bad because of some I, other yeah. things I want to go into. <laughs> but I'm, I'm also like, well, let me get this information for myself right quick. Yeah. <laughs> we can schedule a session, right. no I'm problem. Like, what, <laughs> what, what made you ask him that? What made me ask him the question was I knew that I needed it. Right. You know, that I have been walking around uh, in terms of an emotional self-care thing for me is I've been walking around just not feeling great about how I was mothering him. Mm. Uh. And so I had a critical need. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. 
Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Emotionally, to find the courage to have those types of conversations with him. And so we both were able to win. Um, And so now we have really, really good conversations now. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to ask a question for... (laughs) Fathers and husbands, real yeah. quickly, right? Yeah. And I'm going to use myself as the vessel because I'm a father and a husband. And this yeah. is something that I realize I struggle with. Yeah. All right, fellas, pull out your notebook. <laughs> Here you come. <laughs> Again, really, really hyper-focused on the concept of self-care. Yes. I recognize that when I ask myself the question, what do I need? Mm-hmm. The lens in which I view it is through the people I care about. Okay. Right? Yes. And true. Which creates this confusion for me in this conversation because now I'm trying to figure out is what I need something different than what I see? Mm. Or is what I need, can what I need truly be to serve those I love? Like, can that be? Uh, absolutely. Okay. I'm, I'm now not okay. I was, no, no. I was I'm not okay if my son's not okay. Right. My emotional right. self-care, my emotional well-being is right. 100% tied to him. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's a part of the discovery, right? Right. It's not necessarily, are you confused about what you need? Mm-hmm. It's about strategically refining that right. so that the areas that you're cleverly covering one eye yeah. about. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the stuff that you kind of don't want to, yeah. don't want to admit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't want to admit that I was walking around worried about being a good mother. I really didn't. It took quite a bit of courage to do that. So as a father and a husband, when you look at each of those categories of care, mm-hmm. something that you've been suppressing and burying, like, mm, I kind of need to deal with this, but I don't want to, it will come out mm. if you choose to be courageous and honest. Mm-hmm. And it will involve other people sometimes whether it means you need to improve your relationship with them, mm-hmm. whether it means you're not showing up authentic enough with them, or whether it means they just are not healthy for you to, to interact with for that, you know, yeah. period of time. But if you are not courageous, right. you know? It's funny how difficult that is when you really, really try to do it. Like, mm-hmm. for real, for real. When you get to the root of, like, yeah. you, it, it's easy. You say, what did you say about the... Uh, Covering the, the one eye. Yeah, courageously like, yeah, covering the good. eye. Everything's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So <sighs> something else that you have mentioned, safety, protection, right? Yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about that because self-care has become like a theme in the community now, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's in part because of what we've seen playing out on TV and videos, the murder of people who look just like us. Yeah. Who share our hue. Um, pandemic, right? Like exactly. Everything that the right the environment is just so crazy. That and it is, and we're all still working and still managing uh-huh. all this extra stress. Yeah, all these extra issues that we're managing through. How do we protect ourselves in that? Right, because you hear people talk about I'm going to cut someone out of my life or I'm going to protect myself. Right, but mm-hmm. how do we really do that? Right, is, is it okay to cut someone out of your life? Is it okay to leave a job because you don't feel like it's doing the things that you need done anymore? How do you really protect yourself? Uh, well, I think protection comes when you're honest, again, mm-hmm. about what you need. Yep. Um, Audre Lorde said your silence will not protect you. 
I almost used that as a dope quote today, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being silent about what you need to be able to flourish, to fulfill your purpose, to be a good person, a good father, a good husband, a good mother, a good wife, um, being silent about mm-hmm. what you really need, you can guarantee you won't be protected. Mm-hmm. The protection from my perspective, and this is just my humble experience, comes when you have fed your needs so well that the light, the strength, um, that kind of pulses in you, you, you end up making decisions um, that are more informed. Right. You're in a better mindset when you make the decision. You, you are calmer. You're more at peace. You, mm. um, so protection comes as a byproduct of excellent self-care, mm. right? So if I need to uh, uh, participate in a protest and I don't ask myself, what do I need to be able to participate in a way that makes me feel like I'm being impactful and also safe and all those different things. Um, when I don't ask all the questions, I'm not walking in there feeling protected or being protected. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? It does. Um, when you skip over identifying what you need to feel safe, then you're skipping over what real protection is. Mm. You also are not communicating that to other people, right? So I can go out, let's say I go out on a date with a guy and I've not communicated certain things or we're not on the same page, right? And I'm out on the date and somebody's very rude to me. And this guy's interpretation of what protection is, is different than mine. Will my silence make me feel protected? No. So this guy may have a whole other understanding, but because not only have I been silent about what I critically need, but I've also not communicated what I needed. And so I think protection is the byproduct of being really in tune with what you specifically need mm. to move forward. And that includes other people. Like what I need to, to mother my son, everybody's clear. Okay. Like I don't, <laughs> I'm not um, silent about what I feel like I need to feel like I'm protected and then what he needs for him to be protected during a pandemic, during a soccer game, while he's in school. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I, my son came home one time and pre-pandemic and was saying, you know, I, you know, I always have to go to the bathroom and the teacher won't let me, you know, he was, uh, you know, it's just, it's like that sometimes, right? In education yeah. where it's like, look, little boy, you're not getting up every five seconds to run the bathroom just because you don't want to do this work. Right. So I got that. But after a while, he just kept coming home saying it. So I said, all right, son, <clears throat> just because of some of the activist work I've done, I took some of those tactics and said, why don't you um, take a book and get your notebook? And every time you ask to go to the bathroom, I want you to make one mark. And then every time the teacher stops you from going, I want you to also make a mark in another column. And we're going to collect data for the week. And then we'll schedule a meeting with your teacher. And Mm. we'll have a discussion about the actual data so that we can kind of talk about the ratio between you asking and when you actually can go. And we can have a real conversation. So I'm telling you that story to say, for him to feel protected by me, not being in my presence, I wanted to offer him a way to address his need to actually go to the bathroom and figure out how he can have some kind of control over what's going on with his body. and Right. right? Yeah. But the protection, that feeling is a byproduct of addressing what do we need? 
We need to have a real conversation with your teacher. Um, you need to be able to make it a priority to track what's going on. If it's serious for you, then track it, right? Like if it's a big deal, yeah. come to me with some data. Does it? It may be a stretch of an example, but mm-hmm. I wanted to... I, I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. But technique. I, yeah, I, Data, exactly. Strategies. Exactly. Yeah. So I see protection as the byproduct of just really excellent self-care, and it stretches into family and community and all mm-hmm. of that. I want to ask a question that I think could be sensitive to some, right? Um, and it, it has everything to do with Black men and Black women. Okay. Right? So you hear the mantra, protect Black women, a yeah. lot now, right? Yeah. Yeah. You also you also hear that black women are constantly saving the day and that black women are superheroes, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I hear black men saying we need to go protect our women, when I hear black women being held up as the saviors and the protectors and the connectors right now, it puts me in a mindset of do black women need protection? Do black women need better self-care? And what role can we as black men play to be more supportive in general? That's a good question. I think it's all of the above. Yes, yes, and yes. Right. I think um, there's so many issues with the super, superhuman, superwoman title, right? I won't get into that. Um, But I will say any title that... It's actually unfair, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Very much so. Any title that separates you or detaches you from other human beings means that it gives them the permission to not treat you like a human being. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And so... The downside of all of that is I can't relate to why you would need to feel protected if you're not like me. Mm. Right? So then you have this circular logic argument that's just a waste of time that I don't get involved in. Right. Um, So starting there, uh, I, I don't agree with the title. Right. But I do think that some of the the accomplishments and the acts that we do that go unnoticed and noticed, they are superhuman-like, yeah. right? Um, they are with the the strength of the backs of, of other um, ancestor sisters that have come before us, you know, where we yeah. just kind of embody something bigger than ourselves for a moment. So yes to that. But I think to answer your question, what could brothers do, you know— you know, I said protection is the byproduct of really yeah. addressing the need. And then if we're not communicating our needs, um, I would offer, and I talked to one of my, my homeboys um, about this. I would offer that if, if this was a summer of support for Black women, if you just called it that, the summer mm-hmm. of support for Black women, and every Black man woke up every day for any sister that he knows, whether it's your actual sister, your daughter, your your wife, your mother, grandmother, if you asked, what do you need all summer as a go-to question, what will happen is they'll begin to answer it in a way where they feel safe. And then you have really specific information about what that Black woman needs to feel protected and supported. You understand? Because I can't draw a blanket statement and say, this is what all Black women need to feel supported and protected. But I can't arm you with a surefire way to find out what the people in your circle really need. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll stop them in their tracks, I'm telling you. Right. You know what's yeah. really funny about that? It's a question I ask a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of not just the black women, but the people in my, in my life. Yeah. And what I've learned through asking that question is I see the subset of my friends who spend enough time to understand what they need. And then I see the others <laughs> who are like, would you please stop asking me that question? And yeah. to me, that means you have no idea what you really need. Yeah. 
And I continue to ask them, even through the frustration at times. But Well, you know what would be know. awesome is if you ask yourself the question the same amount of times. I try, but he that, that dude won't listen. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, it's a daily humbling. Ugh. It's a daily humbling experience. And what happens when you're humbled on a regular basis is you right. find a whole lot more compassion for everybody else's journey. So I yeah. think if you did that in tandem, right? Mm-hmm. That it'll change even the energy in which you ask the question, right? Because if, if, if I ask, if I if I ask, if I ask a sister or a brother, you know, what do you need, right? I have to feel equipped enough to listen to the answer, mm-hmm. not feel pressured to fulfill the need, but see see the power mm-hmm. in creating a safe space for you to answer, even for yourself. Mm. You, because so you, you brought up even more, mm-hmm. right? When you ask that question, I don't, I don't know about you, bro, but if I ask it, I automatically feel called to help. Fulfill. Correct. Like, how Correct. do you avoid like, that? I, I'm, well, I'm immediately engaged. Right. Of course, in, of course, of course. And you know, I feel like an asshole if I'm like, okay, cool. Glad to know what you need. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm over here. <laughs> yeah. I'll ask you. Hope you find it. <laughs> Hope you find it. <laughs> you know, Dr. Brian McGregor is one of the brothers. He's a community psychologist who's who's trained on my program and teaches it also to brothers in particular. And so we have a lot of the conversations about how that one aspect of the program um, is received differently by men and women. It's okay to have your natural desire, mm. right? To say like women, and this is stereotypically, this is not across the board, right. but in general, when uh, if I ask a sister, you know, what do you need, girl? Then I'm going to feel the same pull to not just fix it, but to make it happen because I'll be emotionally invested. Right. Like I'm right. emotionally invested in the outcome. Yeah. What I've learned though, um, even by asking myself the question that it is so monumental to feel so loved that somebody would create a safe space for me to even explore that question. Right. It's almost like this real beautiful slowing down of time where you're learning how to value just the mm. fact that you asked. Like, even now, I've, I've taught this training. I don't know how many people, and then I've trained people to to actually do this, teach this program. Mm-hmm. And when they come back to me and they say, what do you need? And I'm like, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really, when you begin to value the exchange, like the moment when somebody, when you really um, relax your muscles around what that moment feels like, even mm-hmm. if they're kind of tense and they're not with you, you've done a good thing, you yeah. know? Because even real the thing. question, the question is, oh, it's, it, it opens you up to a point where first, somebody asked me that, like come you, on. you actually asked me that, what do I need? And you, you genuinely and sincerely, I want to engage in that level of a conversation. That's gonna first make you. It's gonna take you back. I, I feel. I mean, you so gotta in think that, about in this. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly do. I, that's why I believe we have to um, start with ourselves. Because but I think that's the part that gives me like how. I have literally been in my head this entire conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, how? I want to put you guys. I'm gonna put you brothers in touch with Dr. Brian McGregor because like, I think it helps I mean? if you have another brother to kind of bounce it off of. But he got to talk to me in your voice, though. Like, <laughs> right? He changed the whole he vibe the, and the whole, whole situation. No, he's yeah. so sharp. He's a sharp, sharp brother. But um, he has <laughs> his own practice and everything. But I'll tell you this: the payoff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you're trying to convince your kids to just kind of keep at something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know you can't give them that feeling yeah. of the other side. Yeah, they got to do it. 
It's the same thing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. the same. I'm telling you, I, I don't have I enough help fingers and toes. Well, that's what support is for. Yeah. And that's probably the answer to one of the questions. What do I need? I yeah. need support. I need advice. I need, right? And you start to realize there's no restriction to the answer. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's so no, open. yeah, there's no, um, you know, grade that comes with the answer that comes out your mouth. If you need it, you need it. There, there are needs that'll come out. You'd be like, ooh. But I need it, you know. I'm I'm trying to ask myself: Was it sleep that you need? You need? Do you need sleep? Yeah, you're talking to yourself, right? I'm like, well, do I need to? It's a conversation with yourself that you start having when when that question pop up. Like, but you're becoming more conscious. But but I also feel like, am I too? Is this too topical? Like. But you know what? what that, do I need? To, to, to <laughs> do I have a, everything I need? <laughs> right. I'm like, am I straight? <laughs> what will start to happen is you'll get out of your head more. Yeah, I need mm-hmm. that. You'll get out of your head more. Doesn't need. <laughs> yeah. and Really? Yeah, that's what do you think music and dance does. Yeah. What I, do you think all I of these... I get it with music. That's I mean, yeah. when, when you have been trained, to continue with that word, when you've been trained that intellectualizing things solves mm-hmm. problems, then right. that's where yeah. you go. Yes. But exactly. when you begin yes. to address exactly what you could have done, and that's a more you Western, it's a more yes. Western approach. And that's kind of anti who we are. Yes. Right? Yes. We are not one-dimensional people. We are multidimensional. And so it's really that question and other aspects of the program really help you to kind of just relax into who you already are. And yeah. then you're a lot more comfortable, you know? Yeah. When I go places, there are things that I'm just not uncomfortable with because I've been dealing with the uncomfortability of myself, <laughs> right, right? Right, right? So when yeah. I walk into a room, it's like, mm, they're probably not going to dive as deep as I dove with myself this morning. So it, it'll be fine. Does that make sense? And if they ask me if I need a jelly, they probably already deeper. Yeah. Like, Damn, I didn't even think about if I need a jelly with my toast this morning. <laughs> I just ate that dry-ass toast. But you can't escape it. You, right. <laughs> you they need to be jelling here. Yeah. All right, so the, the obvious place to go, right? We've had a great conversation mm-hmm. about all of this, but mm-hmm. you've mentioned the training that you do. You've, you've mentioned the strategic self-care plans. Talk a little bit more about what that is, what the sure. plans are, what the training is, and how do people like us who obviously need some help, how yeah. do we get closer to you, to the work that you're doing? How do we get involved? Well, um, a central location is the website, Mm selfcareagency.com. And what that does is it gives a general overview of not just the self-care agency, but a little bit of the philosophy. Um, You go to that website and there's an offer in different ways for people to stay connected to our strategic self-care movement network. Because mm-hmm. not everybody's trying to be strategic about their life. You know what I'm saying? You know, you I got do. that little underground network where certain people that are just not playing. Yeah. You don't hand out their number easily. You don't put them in contact with certain yeah. people unless you know that they're serious. Yeah. That's what this is like. It's a network where you can um, not only become a formal member, where we have monthly strategic self-care 101 trainings, um, but then we have specialty trainings. So the website is the first stop. And then outside of that, you'd be surprised at how quickly you can move from where you are being kind of unsure about certain things. And then in a few months, you're just like this well-oiled machine that a pandemic could hit and you still are already in the, like your muscle memory has changed, right? Your muscle memory will kick to not only what do I need, but how do I navigate this with what I currently know? So yeah, the website's a great place to start. 
Um, and I get, I have a wonderful team. So Courtney and Jasmine and, and Eklund has been people that we've worked with. And Eklund's amazing. Yeah, I know. Amazing. <laughs> I love her so much. And so the team, we, we work together to make sure that everyone that gets in contact with the self-care agency who wants not only, we don't like this just individual trainings because mm-hmm. this is the type of work that you should just stay tied to. You feel better when wow. you're in communication. You stay connected with people that are constantly trying to stay strategic about how wow. they're moving in life. One, one additional question, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't know what you don't know. Right? Yes. Right. Yeah. And what we know is, is often a function of what, we, what we've experienced, which is often related to our environments. Right. And so when you run into people or for people listening right now, who do not see the value in self-care, right? Yeah. They tell themselves, I'm straight. I'm good already, right? I'm going to go get this paper. I'm going to this job. Yeah. I'm going to go get with this chick later. I'm going to go get with this guy. Like, I'm good. Like, What do you use to break down to them the importance to do better in this area? How do you, how do you convince them? Well, it's usually or not me. You? It's usually not me. It's usually their organs that just give mm-hmm. up and shut down or something <laughs> in their life that just shuts down. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I feel zero pressure to convince because I think that when we are ready, we move to what works for us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This program mm-hmm. is set up to show you how to expand yourself to other things that may work for you, you know? Right. Um, we don't house everything. We just help strengthen the muscle that's a little weak when it comes to just being strong enough to say, okay, I really do need this and I need right. to take more steps to, to, to making it happen. Right. But I'll tell you, uh, just a week or so after the insurrection of the storming of the Capitol, right. I did this um, training for the federal government um, with about 250 judges and attorneys um, nationally. Mm-hmm. And it was about strategic self-care. And you could imagine their mindset was in a particular place. So this one participant asked me during the Q&A session when it was over, she was like, you know, this is really good. I just, you know, sometimes I'm doing sound bowl treatments and I go to massages and, you know, I do self-care, but I just, it's just, I, I still don't feel good. So I asked her one question, which is the one that I'm running in the ground today. And I said, well, uh, ma'am, in all of those activities that you're labeling as self-care, right? Because socially people are saying that's what that is. I said, have you ever, right, have you, have you ever asked yourself, what do I need? And so she paused and she was like, no. I said, okay, because if you're on a massage table and your bladder is full, you don't need the massage. You need to go to the bathroom, Right. And so not knowing how to strategize and prioritize what you critically need, you're running from it by pacifying it with these mm. other titled activities. Who would want to do that? Nobody wants to do that. I so if there's me. a, I think that's what I do. If there's a brother yeah. or a sister out there that's just like, I'm not messing with that term, that's fine. And I, I've had a couple of like key, how should I say, <laughs> key people who have said, oh, well, this is just this term and it's not for us. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing. If you just take the words and reverse them, care for myself. You do whatever you want like with how, the title. How can this not this has to be for everybody. It, you do what you want with, with the title, but there nobody owns words anymore. They own yeah. Stone Mountain anymore than they own. You know, get me going because I'm gonna get a little high about ownership of stuff, right? All good. Nobody can own <laughs> anything, right? <laughs> you decide. Hey, you don't even own the property because you got to pay uh, property just, tax. If you, know, you don't, right. they're taking it. <laughs> nobody owns anything. 
But if something doesn't resonate with you, there's no point in trying to force it. Right. So I like to promote the definition, which is being able to address what you need, whether it's normal or critical. Right. The issue is for people like what you're describing Mm -hmm. is it is normalized Mm -hmm. to ignore what you need. Yeah. Right. So I use this example when I speak sometimes in a workshop. I say, have you ever been to an event uh, pre-COVID and sat in like the first or third row and someone's speaking? It's an important thing, maybe for work or, you know, pleasure. And you got to go to the bathroom. How many of you ever held it just to wait until that person because they didn't want to interrupt or be disrespectful or what have you? It's normalized to not address a need, but something is critical if one it's not going to disappear, right? So what's in your bladder not going to disintegrate, right? Mm-hmm. Two, it's going to contaminate other areas of your life the more you ignore it, right? Yeah. And then three, it will get worse. The actual condition of that neglected need will get worse. So if you are walking around neglecting in the same world that's normalizing you, and, and makes money off of you not taking care of yourself. Literally, like there are whole payrolls that are like, why would we wake up and say drink water every day when we're making money off of other things? Why, why would we uh, take our biggest consumer base and just promote them identifying what only they critically need to at least get them out of a critical state? And then they can make decisions on what they want to... Per- why would they wake up and do that when those payrolls are securing you know, uh, college funds for, for their, you know, there's so much money in you being disconnected from what you need and not taking care of yourself that one day you may be at the mercy of that neglected need. Mm. So if you are a type person and you want to stay in control and you're not going to have this marketing with this term, that's fine. But guess what control you're going to lose when your pancreas is over you ignoring it? Guess what control you're not going to have when you're at the mercy of that which you have neglected? And then what kind of control do you really have? So mm. that's what I would say to those who <laughs> who are neglecting. She was ready, boy. She was ready. Yeah, that would. <laughs> she was ready. Very much so. Anana, this has been mm. an amazing episode. Aww. Right? You got to come back. Thanks for having it's me. It's been introspective for me personally, right? Mm. I know it has been for our guests. I'm assuming it has been for Art. And Indeed. we are at the end of our time. But what we always like to do is, and especially in this case, because I know it's going to be golden, right? Is hand the mic to our guest and let you close out the show by telling the listeners whatever it is that's on your heart to share. I I just think that especially um, Black folk, Mm -hmm. we deserve such a beautiful, warm, loving, just hug of an experience with each other and ourselves and it is so hard it's so hard to enjoy the bliss and the joy of like the music and the song and the dance and the history and just the visual pleasure of who we are you know it's so hard to really flourish in that area um if we are neglecting what we need you know it just it's it's not necessary it is um, to the detriment of our future. And the worst of it is our children are watching. Mm. Our children are watching us neglect certain things. Um, and you now have an option, not just with me, but others, um, to just reach out 
and say, hey, I'm ready to be more strategic about how I take care of myself because this learned behavior is definitely a descendant of treatment that I would like to not perpetuate. This emotional slavery that I'm experiencing where I am too emotionally afraid to even ask myself a question and answer it every day, I kind of want to break that particular chain. So I suggest you do it because it feels amazing to address your needs on a regular basis. I love it. I love it. Mm. Listen, tell the folks where they can follow you. Yeah. How they can get more information and then we'll be out of here. Sure. On Instagram, the company is The Self-Care Agency. Um, My personal Instagram is Anana, A-N-A-N-A-H, Paris, P-A-R-R-I-S. That's how you can find me. Cool. All right, brother, you got anything? Hey, my only thing is, what do you need? <laughs> Trying to figure it out myself. Aww. Wild Black, peace. We out. Hey, everyone. It's DJ Candy right here from the Carefree Black Girl Podcast. If you're a fan of music, entertainment, and Black women, then be sure to check out and subscribe to the Carefree Black Girl Podcast, a show that covers all things carefree, Black, and girl. And it's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators.